The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. I'm Shannon Penrod and can I say how grateful I am to be here today? It's like when I hear that music, this is like uh, my my form of sanity. It's like my coffee break that I get to spend time with you guys. And I feel like we get to connect and potentially move the conversation at least in one direction, at least a little bit, right? Um, so I'm so grateful that you're here with me and watching, and I want to encourage you to write into the chat, say where you're watching from. You know, we, we particularly groove on that here. Um, but the chat is open. We're live right now on a lot of different places, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about six other places. Trayvon will start to show you where those places are. And you can write in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and a couple of the other places in it, and it comes right here so I can see your chats in real time. Today, uh, in case you're wondering, you're like, is this recorded? Because, you know, my hair looks funky. I, I did cut it off again yesterday because, you know, that's my issue. I have compulsive issues about cutting my own hair. And I'm always going for that cute Judy Dench thing, and I almost always end up with a Mike Pence. Not what I intend, but, you know, it grows in, so we live through it. And it's so freeing for me because I have relentlessly curly hair. Um, and the only thing for it is to cut it off, right? <laughs> so anyway, it's a compulsion. I have, it's a little bit of an issue. Um, anyway, today is March 16th. I'm saying happy birthday to my sister. It is my sister's birthday today. And it is the day before St. Patrick's Day. You can't really tell. It looks more blue than green, but I'm actually wearing green uh, because we're not going to be doing a live show tomorrow. We thought we were, and then we're not doing a live show tomorrow. So uh, happy early St. Patrick's Day to all of you and happy birthday to my sister. So it is 2022. I know we all keep tripping over that. What year is it really? Because we've been uh, like the groundhog uh, in hibernation for two years, but it's 2022. I do want to give you an update that we're going to be moving back into our studio in April. We were hoping to be able to go live from our studio on April 1st. I don't think that that's going to happen, uh, but walls are up. We've been, we should have taken pictures when we were there the other day, Traven. Uh, if we go again, we have to take pictures because that's super fun. But walls are up and we're very excited about our new studio. I'm really excited about today's show too because a lot of different things. First of all, we're going to cover a jargon term that we've never covered before. But also we have a guest that I know has been on the show before, but I'm just not sure how long ago. And I'm not sure if, if it's been since I first I had a radio show and then this show. And we've been on the air for 10 years, so it's inexcusable that we haven't had her on. Kristen Jacobson is going to be joining us later. Now, we've been featuring the last couple of weeks some really powerhouse women, and she's one of them. These are women that intimidate the you-know-what out of me um, because they're so smart. I can't I, – I try to keep up with them, but I'm, I, I'm not able to keep up. And they're – you know how I talk all the time on the show about how in the beginning you feel so overwhelmed, like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this. I don't – uh, you know, I see that I, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I want to advocate for my kid. And there are injustices that I see. And there are things that are just wrong. Like if somebody understood what we really need, they would just change it. Right. And through all that, you start to realize what your niche is. 
and and where you belong, where where you're going to put your time and your energy into. And there are other places where you go, oh, I really hope somebody smarter than me is working on that because that's something that needs work on. Well, Kristen is one of those people that is in our prayers every night when we go, oh, I hope someone who really understands that and is willing to put the time in is working on that. We're, we're praying to Kristen is what we're doing. So uh, I, I'm in awe and, and, and I'm just going to admit that I'm intimidated by these women because they don't mess around. Uh, these ladies get stuff done. They're the movers and the shakers. They get policies changed and they get real help to people. And sometimes you don't even know their name. You don't know that they're the person who was working on that. And they very rarely get the credit for the things they've done. But a lot of amazing things that have come your way in the last five years, if you are a person on the spectrum or you have a kiddo on the spectrum, you know, a lot of it you can thank Kristen and the powerhouse women that she hangs out with. Whew, right? Amazing. So she's going to be joining us uh, and she's going to talk uh, about some really really important things that she's got going on that they're doing to help you and to help families like you. So um, I do want to say that part of what we do here at Autism Live, we're all about providing information and inspiration. Kristen's going to bring both of that for you. So we don't have a problem there. And we frequently invite experts to be here. She's one of those. I'm not. Uh, my role here is to be the connector, to, to like hook you up to people who will bring you that inspiration and, uh, and information. Uh, so don't mistake me for one of the experts. Clearly, I do have an opinion. It's true. And I'm a little too free with my opinion, as many people tell me frequently. Uh, but we're working through that. <laughs> I, I will give you my opinion if you ask. And sometimes I give it even when not asked. I'm working on that too. But anyway, feel free to, you guys are really quiet today. Feel free to write into the chat if you have questions for me or for Kristen or, or for the audience that's watching. I loved yesterday during Ask Dr. Doreen that some comments came in and you started supporting each other. And then at one point we realized that two people were trying to support each other on different platforms. So we could see what you were saying to each other, but you couldn't see. And then we were able to amend that and hook them up together and, you know, flowers grow. Uh, so we absolutely love that. I do like to remind you that our programming is for that entire autism community that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum. They are the beating heart of our community. Those who are hashtag actually autistic, right? We don't, we never want to leave them out of the conversation. In fact, we're trying to step up our, our, our game by having a podcast that is just their voices, solely their voices. And that's going to be coming to you, fingers crossed, in April. We're counting on that studio, right? Um, but in any case, we, we always start with, with that group. They're the beating heart of, of why we do everything that we do. But we also include in the conversation everyone who loves those individuals. That's, that's what we're about here and focus on that. I'm one of those people. I am a parent. I, I now, have I told you guys this yet? I'm referring to myself as a pony. Um, and I'm very happy about it. I'm a pony. Do you know what a pony stands for? I'm a parent of a neurodiverse individual. I'm a pony. And not only that, I'm a pony. So a pony is a parent of a neurodiverse adult individual. 
I'm a pone. And I, I really love that. Every once in a while, we, we kind of reinvent what the words are that we use to describe ourselves to accurately say what our deal is. And my son and I were talking about this because I was going to a conference. And I said, you know, I we, we had settled a couple of years ago on I'm a parent of an individual who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. But, you know, he's He's 18, about to be 19. At a certain point, he's like, you know, do we have to focus on the fact that I was a child at one time? And uh, so I'm a pony and you can be a pony too. And you and and eventually you can be a pony if that fits you. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I, I don't know. And it, and, it, and it feels really nice to me. It feels sparkly. I'm a pony. Um, and I feel like it identifies me right now. So, uh, I, and I, and, you know, I always used to say that, uh, nobody says when they're a child, oh, I hope I grow up to be a parent of an individual on the, on the autism spectrum. We don't say it because we don't know about it. And, and, and when we do know about it, we're like, I don't know that that's the thing that I aspire to, but I say, I wish I did. I wish I had said that as a child, because, I love where I'm at right now, right? Um, but uh, and I feel bad that I didn't, as a child, say, "Oh, I hope to grow up to." But you know, I, when I was a child, I would have loved it if somebody said, "Do you want to grow up to be a pony?" Yes, yes, I would. I'd like to be a pony. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, no, I'm not drinking anything other than water. I don't even drink coffee. Uh, Amanda's got her blue hearts here. I feel like you guys have finally shown up. This is wonderful. Uh, Tajist is here with a red heart. And good morning to Melania. Uh, good morning to all of you. And if you want to write in, we'll, we try to acknowledge you here too. So in any case, uh, I, I'm a pony, a pony, not an expert in autism. Someone who cares deeply about you and your family and the circumstances that you are in and wants to help you get to the help that you need. I have a lot of karmic debt to pay down, you guys, because I got so much help and support and I got incredibly lucky. Yes, we worked really hard, but let's be honest, I got really, really lucky. So, oh, Dawn's a proud pony uh, of, of your beautiful peas. I love it. Uh, and Alexandria is here. So thrilled that you guys are here and, and loving the shamrock Dawn, uh, with the name Shannon, I got to celebrate, uh, St. Patrick's day, right? It's, it's a prerequisite. Uh, okay. So I'm not an expert, but I hear, I care about you and what you're going through. Please write in. I do say that when I, uh, came into this tribe of people that, uh, I had to let go of a whole bunch of things. Mind reading wasn't really one of them, but I say I gave up mind reading to come into this tribe. So don't make me read your mind. Tell me what you're looking for. Tell me what you need. Tell me what's going on. Tell all of us so that we can share and give you hugs, right? Okay. Uh, it is the start of the show. And on Wednesday, we go through a couple of, we have, you know, housekeeping to do. And we, one of the things that we do is the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? What on earth does this have to do with us? Why should we possibly care about it? Right? The list is <laughs> endless here, but we do find that when we start to learn and understand these terms and make them our own, it can save us time. That's the only reason why I bother with this is because when you know these jargon terms, sometimes it can save you money too. Time and money and heartache, you know? 
Um, because picture this, you're there with an expert and you're talking about something that's going on. They use a term. And when you, sometimes you misunderstand what they're talking about and that's costs you time and money and energy. Right. And other times when we feel empowered, we say, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you explain it to me in a different way? Now they stop and explain it and that takes time. And I find that often in the moment, I can't learn it in the moment. I got too many other things going on and I'm self-conscious about having said, I don't know what you just did. I can't absorb it there. Um, so I, what I would often do is write down the terms to Google them later. And then you're up another tree because you, the jargon term is explained in jargon terms. And you're like, I don't get it. It's like you need an expert on call who can explain this stuff to you. So we started doing jargon of the day. First, we give you the actual definition then we make fun of it. Right. <laughs> I always say, cause everybody needs a hobby and, and because it's useless often the, not always, but sometimes then we give you a working definition that can help you to begin to understand it. And we try to tell ourselves, we, we don't need to be shamed about the fact that we don't need to know these terms. Um, right. We weren't, we didn't come out of the womb knowing these terms. No one did. And that there are nuances to them. And so we're going to be patient with ourselves as we learn them. But it's sort of like doing the morning workout. You know, we're going to stretch the muscles, learn something new today. So we've never done today's jargon term before for a very specific reason, because I hate it. Uh, <laughs> but ask me how I really feel. Spontaneous recovery. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, why would you hate that term? Doesn't it sound like it's a fabulous thing? Doesn't spontaneous recovery sound like, you know, what everybody wants for a cold or, you know, anything? And some of you are going to be like, wait a second, what? Because you don't like the term recovery used with autism. Let me tell you, it's not what you're thinking either. Um, so, okay, let's, so this is, this is one of those terms that pretty much means the exact opposite of what you think it means. And that's why I hate it. Cause it's confusing. It's one of those things that you get tripped up on that your brain has to go rah, 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 and, and, and back up so that you can understand what it is. So let's take a look at what the actual definition for spontaneous recovery is, and then we'll give you a working definition. So uh, our actual definition for spontaneous recovery is the reemergence of condition responding to an extinguished condition stimulus. I know. Can you hear the toilet flushing in the background? With the passage of time since extinction. What, what, what? Let's read it one more time. The reemergence of conditioned responding to an extinguished conditioned stimulus with the passage of time since extinction. Now, if you watch the show on Monday, we covered the term extinction, not about dinosaurs, uh, talking about when we cut a, um, a behavior uh, separate from its paycheck. So if I am spitting on my hand and smearing it on the desk, and we have discovered that the paycheck I'm getting for it is that the teacher completely has a meltdown and sends me to the principal's office where I get to have a piece of candy, right? Then, then I won all over the place here, right? That, that becomes now my paycheck. And so every day I spit in my hand and I rub it on the desk. Now, by the way, that's not what it's going to be for all children. Some people just spit on their hand and wipe it on the desk because it feels good. Uh, some do it because they're bored, 
right? But we need to look at why. Why are they doing it? What's the paycheck, right? And when, <clears throat> when we learn what the paycheck is, sometimes we do a procedure called extinction where we make sure that they don't get the paycheck. So for the kiddo that spits on his hand, rubs it on the desk because he wants to go to the principal's office because the principal is going to give him a piece of candy. And yes, that happens. Um, we're going to now, uh, when they spit on the desk, they are not going to get to go to the principal's office and they are not going to get a piece of candy. Um, we're, we're going to do something entirely different. That's the extinction procedure, right? So just reminding you of what that is. So spontaneous recovery is the reemergence of condition responding to an extinguished condition stimulus with the passage of time since extinction. Remember the extinction piece. Let's like, but it's like, what in the hey, naughty, naughty are they talking about? Let's go on to the, um, so this is, this is our working definition and it's the exact opposite of what we want, right? So it's when the behavior comes back after we thought it was gone. So let's say that we put the, let's say, let's stick with the, the circumstance we had. The kid spits on his hand, wipes it on the desk so we can go to the principal's office, get a piece of candy. We discover that that's what it is. And we put an extinction uh, procedure where, and with an extinction procedure, there are lots of things involved. We will give the child a way to get to the principal's office to get the piece of candy, but not for spitting on his hand and putting it on the desk, right? We'll teach him how to earn the right to go to the principal's office as a reward, but we will stop it for the spitting. Um, and instead, we will institute something else that will happen, um, that it might be that we you know, give the child some Play-Doh at their desk to play with. Because if you start spitting on your hand and wipe it on the desk and it gets in the Play-Doh, that for some kids, that's a sensory nightmare. Not all of them, right? We're going to do something else, but they are not going to get that reward of getting out of the class. To, they'll be able to get it another way, but not for this, right? So let's say that this happens and, you know, Johnny has now you know, learned that he can get to the principal's office another way and the spitting on the hand goes away and we all go, woohoo, we did it. Um, you know, Johnny's happy. He's getting his candy at the principal's office and we're happy because there's no more spit on the desk. And then a week later, Johnny starts spitting on his hand again and wiping it on the desk. Yeah, it's spontaneous recovery is the thing we don't want. It's after we worked on them, we did the extinction procedure and we celebrated that it worked. And now, you know, we've moved on to other things and a period of time has gone by and now spontaneous recovery happens and they revert back to the behavior. And we pretty much have to take out the toolkit again and go, why? Now, a lot of times when spontaneous recovery happens, it's because we failed to reward enough. And we need to go back and shore things up or we maybe we got a little lazy and they had a way to earn going to the principal's office. And then we got a little lazy about it and said, you know, we maybe we moved too fast and said, no, 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 we're, we're, we're going to only do that once a week. And that wasn't enough. For them and so they were like ah, i'm gonna go back to spitting on my hand and see if that gets me there it could be that's that um they started doing it to go to the principal's office and now they like the sensory aspect and now we got to work on a different aspect of it but in any case uh it's we need to go backwards 
we need to go backwards. So spontaneous recovery does not mean woohoo. It means, oh, okay, we have more to do. Uh, so it's the exact, this is why I hate this term. It's why I don't use it. It's why it doesn't make me happy. Uh, are we all clear on why Shannon hates the term spontaneous recovery? Uh, anyway, there we go. Alexandria, we're saying hi to you. And Ka, we're saying hi to you as well. So now you know, if someone says spontaneous recovery, it is not the party in the street. It is the, okay, we're going to regroup. We still have work to do. We're going to regroup and we're going to figure out what's what's going on now. Um, it's not game over but it's regroup time. Okay. No celebrating for spontaneous recovery. <laughs> it may, you know what it is a lot of times for spontaneous re recovery. It means that there was a big paycheck for that behavior. Think about you. You, we talked about this the other day about like, maybe you want to stop smoking or you want to go on a diet. Right. And they all say it takes 28 days to change a habit. Okay. So you change your habit for 28 days and you're healthy and you're in the groove and you're like, yeah, I'm losing weight. I'm doing the whole thing. I'm exercising. Right. And then, and it's rewarding. It's rewarding feeling good and, and doing all that. And then, you know, one day you missed the workout because you ran out of time and, and another day you missed it. And then before you know it, 14 days later, you're back in your old pattern of not exercising. That's spontaneous recovery. That's a great example of spontaneous recovery. So, you know, if you really want to keep up that healthy thing, you got to go back and go, what was I doing that worked before? What's happening now? How do I want to look at this differently so that I can achieve the goals that I want to achieve? So no party for spontaneous recovery. All right, we've beaten that horse to death. Let's move on to something hopefully better. Let's go on to our question of the day. You guys can be writing that in, uh, in the chat uh, if you would like to. Uh, and we love to hear from you. We, that's my favorite part is when you guys write in, um, here it is. Uh, oh, I love this question. Where do you feel the safest? What a great question. And what a great question to come after, um, spontaneous recovery, because the reason why this comes after spontaneous recovery is because part of the reason why we, why spontaneous recovery happens is, is that we revert back to the place that we feel the safest. And sometimes that isn't as functional as we would like to be, right? Um, so if you were working out, if you were eating healthily and things were going along really wonderfully, but then something happens, we often revert, revert back to the last place that we feel safe. When we have kids that regress, you know, you guys will write in all the time and say, you know, things were going really well. And, and, then this th event happened and all of a sudden my, my 14 year old son wants to watch Thomas the tank engine again. And, and the first thing I like to remind all of us is we all do that. When something goes wrong, we want to go back to the last place that we felt safest. I think it's really important to identify this for ourselves and know where do I feel safe? Who do I feel safe with? And then ask that for yourself about the people that you love in your life, the people on the spectrum and the people who aren't on the spectrum, where do they feel the safest when, you know, when something happens, when a family member dies or, um, you know, the family pet dies, we see this a lot that people will go back to the last place that was okay. And that might be a physical place. It might be something that was happening when they last felt okay. Um, it might be being around people. There's a wonderful dad that I know 
um, that mom passed away, like oh, horrible circumstances. And the little boy wanted, kept asking to go back to the hotel room because the last time he saw his mom at the hospital, they were staying at the hotel room. And for his five-year-old brain, it was the it was the last place that he was safe and knew that his mom was on the planet. And so he kept asking to go back to the hotel room and dad was smart enough that he recognized that that's what it was. Um, but it, but we all crave this. We want to go back to the last place that was safest. I think it's really important that we have an understanding for ourselves of where we feel safe and, and how we feel safe and who we feel safe with and for our kiddos that we do that. And it's important to recognize, is that functional? Um, when there's a tragedy, I don't think we want to question it too much, but if you want to work on it when it isn't a tragedy about creating a safe space for someone um, that we do have kids that we see that, and I'm certainly guilty of this, that, you know, food is safety to me. You know, if I, <laughs> I was raised that if you were having a feeling quick, eat something, it'll go away. Whether it was happiness, sadness, and anything in between, right? That's not a really functional way to deal with emotions. And, you know, I'm, I'm 50 million and I'm still learning that. Right. And we can give this. And, and Melania says, this is why people with eating disorders regain weight as well. Exactly. Because it's a, it's the last safe place to go, but we can change that, that for ourselves. And we can change that for the people that we love in our lives too, by giving them safe spaces in functional ways. And if you see that your kiddo, when they get nervous, eat, I have a dog that does this. If somebody comes to the door, my dog will bark. And then immediately she will, it's hilarious, but not, she will go over and start eating in her dish as she's going <laughs> to let us know that she's upset and she's stuffing her face while she's doing it. Sometimes she chokes because she's <laughs> while she's eating, but it's, it's a comfort for her, right? Um, she's a dog and I can work on that with my dog to help her to feel safe in those circumstances. Right. But we really, for our kiddos, we want to make sure that if we see that they're eating out of nervousness, that we help them to find other coping mechanisms. Even I remember one of the things that they were teaching my son when he was in preschool was that he could massage his hand and that that was a way of helping him to you know, feel that he was okay. Very simple thing, but they built that in for him that he could massage his hand and, and that that was a way, really functional way for him to feel like he was safe and okay. Um, so, but write in, tell us where you feel safest. For me, it's home. I like to be home. I'm a home. Body and when my internet is going crazy. Hopefully you still have me. My internet went nuts. Um, you know, during during the pandemic, it worked really well for me because I was home and everybody else was home. And I'm struggling now to be out and about and to have my family out and about. Woo, that's a struggle for me, but I'm making myself do it, right? Uh, okay, but for some of our kiddos, they're having a hard time going back out to school. And, and I love, you know, all these people who are like, hallelujah, the kids don't have to wear masks at school anymore. I'm, I'm really happy for you. But now some of our kids feel safer with the mask on. 
Um, so we have to be in tune to that. Where do people, where do people feel safe? Uh, okay. Amanda says, that's a hard question. I guess I feel safest when my husband is home with us and not deployed. Amen. That, Amanda. Amen to that. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, we moving on. We always have a topic of the week and our topic this week has, is something really near and dear to my heart. Um, the difference between, um, uh, teaching versus changing and it's semantics, right? You know, I, I, I think, um, but what, what I'm talking about is that a lot of people go, well, I don't, I don't want to change my child and I'm right there with you. Um, I think that fundamentally our kids are perfectly fine. Uh, we just need to find the path to understanding them and them understanding us and them being able to do the things that they want to do in their lives. And for me, I always picture a, a track, a running track, and there's hurdles. And I pictured my kid running and there were other kids running alongside him who had no hurdles whatsoever. And then there was my son and he had tons of hurdles. And then there were kids who had even more hurdles than my son. And they're all running on the same track. And as a mom, I just was like, I want to help him. And if there's a way that we can remove some of those hurdles so that he can run at whatever pace he wants to, then that's where I want to be. I want, I want to, teaching is always about learning and adapting, but I don't think it changes who you are fundamentally. I always use the example of, you know, somebody wanting to learn Chinese. I don't think when you learn something, it becomes a part of who you are, but I don't think it changes who you are. I think it just brings it into sharper focus. And so, I'm, and it's funny because now I'm wanting to learn um, the Korean language and how to speak it. I don't even know if I want to take on writing it and I want to be able to understand it because I'm newly into K-dramas. That's a whole other Oprah. We're not going to go there. Um, but I want to learn as much as I can. Uh, and uh, I, we're out of time. I, I need to stop because uh, Kristen is here and she's important and let's get right to her. We'll talk about, but teaching uh, is a great thing. Let's teach people. Let's not worry about changing who they are. Let's teach them. Kristen Jacobson is here. I, I kind of introduced her before um, and said she's just one of those powerhouse women that intimidates the you-know-what's out of me. But, I, man, I'm so grateful for her every day. She's one of those people that I talk about that is working behind the scenes all the time and sometimes in the spotlight to make things better for all of us. Her resume is so long that it's absolutely, uh, you know, would take us the rest of the show. But let's talk about this. She's had more than a 20 year career in healthcare marketing and reimbursement, and she's been an autism advocate since 2006. She was instrumental in passing the insurance reform in California, which has made it possible in all the other states. Uh, she's worked tirelessly to refine that law, and uh, she is, has been appointed to the Department of Managed Healthcare Autism Advisory Task Force. She's been a part of um, drafting recommendations regarding medical necess medically necessary behavior health treatment. She co-founded the Autism Deserves Equal Coverage um, organization. And she's been there helming that, helping to provide families and providers 
access to the things that we talk about here on the show. I am, again, so grateful. There's so many different things. Um, she, uh, oh gosh, it's like, so, there's so many things. I'm not even going to talk about all of them because it's amazing. I'm going to let her talk about it. She's a founding member and has served on the steering committee for the Alliance of California Autism Organizations. And, uh, oh my gosh, she, one of the reasons why I reached out to her this particular week is because I was going to Cal Abba and, uh, she did a couple of presentations that I really want to talk about, but I also want to say that she speaks, uh, and she's the autism expert that they have. She's, she's been and quoted in the New York times, Los Angeles times, San Francisco uh, Chronicle. She's been on NPR, ABC, NBC, and Fox news. We're just lucky that she gave us the time to be here. So let's welcome Kristen to the program. Kristen, I see that you're there. Sorry for making you wait. No problem at all. I'm so excited to be here. I love your show and uh, just always excited to have a vehicle and an audience to help families um, make progress and get treatment for their kids. So Kristen, let's start with why, you know, you've worked so tirelessly. What, what's your why? Why is this so important to you? So it's actually, um, it's, it's so nice to actually be able to share this because for years and years and years, I couldn't share the why. My son was too young. He didn't know he had autism. Um, then he wasn't old enough, you know, he couldn't give consent for me to talk about it. But, you know, my why is because um, in 2005, my oldest son was diagnosed with autism and when I went to my health insurance company or, or I was even told not to bother, they covered nothing. And, you know, don't even tell them that your child has autism because then they will never pay for anything, even stuff that they would ordinarily pay for. So we went to the school district, the school district paid for all of his services, his medical services, his educational services. Um, it didn't feel right to me. Um, and I've been an insurance expert and a reimbursement expert in the medical field um, for my whole career. And so um, a few of us decided to take this on and try to figure out if we could make a difference. Um, and now the thing that's so great is my son, you know, he had best case outcomes, right? We were so fortunate. We had all the best therapists. Eventually insurance did take over uh, some of his program. Um, Although the school actually didn't want them to, uh, because then they would lose control. So they chose to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year instead of go to insurance. So that's a story for another day. But the thing that's great is he is 20. He's in college. He's independent. Um, you know, he's kind of a best case scenario outcome. And I feel so fortunate that we were able to get him the treatment that he needed. Not everyone is gonna have that outcome, right? We had a lot of luck associated with that outcome. Um, but he now wants me to share the story and talk about it and talk about him and how proud I am of him. And so I, it's so exciting because if you look back at all those you know, articles that I was quoted in, I'm never quoted as a parent, I'm always mm -hmm. quoted as just an expert in the field. And so it's great to be able to share my why and my motivation and it's Connor and he's incredible. 
Well, I applaud you for so many different reasons um, that I'll go through, but I also want to say that there's, we extend an open uh, invitation. Anytime Connor would like to be here and speak on his own, we'd, we'd love to have him. If that's, I know a lot of, I, I have an 18 year old son and he's like, I'm busy. Um, but if Connor, you know, and I love that and celebrate that. But if Connor ever wants, you know, please tell him open door, we'd be happy to have him as well. But I also applaud that you were someone who considered that before I go and speak about being a parent, I need to have consent and that you waited until he was of age that he could give consent. I uh, did not do that. And and, tell, and and then later realized and then sat down with my son and got consent later. And I was lucky because he could have very easily said to me, I'm really, un and I have been through that with parents who went out and spoke very loudly. And then later their kiddo said, uh, gosh, I wish you hadn't so freely told my story for me. So I applaud that you were that forth, for, had that much forethought to think ahead because that's a, that's a caring thinking parent. I missed that boat. Uh, I caught up onto it later on, but I also applaud that you didn't just stop at helping your child. When you saw that there was a need, you got in and helped your child and helped the rest of us and that your work has continued um, to help the rest of us. So, um, you know, I don't think we would have, I don't think, I know we wouldn't have insurance reform that we have in California if it hadn't been for you and that very tight knit group of people that you were with, that you guys were unrelenting. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Um, but I also applaud that you keep moving the dial around and looking at different things. Uh, there, let's talk a little bit about, because there's so many things we could talk about, um, Kristen, uh, but one of the things that you were part of a presentation at Cal-ABBA was talking about uh, the playbook. Do you want to take a couple of minutes to talk about the playbook and, and how um, that's helping families and how they can access that? Absolutely. So the playbook is kind of a, a labor of love um, that a number of us decided that we really needed to do. And, and I do want to address your comment about making sure we could help everybody else. To me, it was not okay just to stop at private insurance. You know, the accomplishment that I'm the most proud of was the Medicaid um, and Medi-Cal because it's 50% of the kids in, in California. And, you know, it's the kids that are chronically underserved, have many fewer, you know, resources to be able to try to access care. So to me, you know, even if some other people kind of had to drop out of the, the effort, the Medicaid effort was really, um, to me, actually, like the crowning achievement because that was so important. Um, and thank you on behalf of all those families, because we there, there was that period of time in California where they shut down the, the, the Medicaid benefits and we it was brought into sharp focus how badly those families needed that. And, and thank you for the work that you did that made that possible. And, and it was absolutely tragic. And we could see it coming month after month, more kids, less services. And what, you know, the only silver lining there was I was able to finally broaden our coalition beyond autism to the full disability community, to the NHELPS and Western Center for Law and Poverties of the world. They finally got on board and said, wait a minute, we are, you know, harming children. And Medicaid was the heaviest lift because of how much it cost 
the state, right? I mean, private insurance doesn't really cost the state much. They had to do state employees, but Medicaid, you know, we pay 50% of the cost. And so it was hundreds of millions of dollars and we needed that broader support. So while it pained me deeply, the only silver lining is I think the fact that they actually harmed those kids like that was what enabled us to be able to help the rest of them. And while California was not the first on autism reform, even if we were starting it, you know, we may have started with everyone else. We were 29th, but we were first with Medicaid. And that that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, someday they're going to make a statue to you because that's a big deal. <laughs> um, um, well, back but, to the playbook. Right? Yeah, the playbook. So the playbook, um, after the autism law summit one year, this woman, Amy Pearl, who uh, is a brilliant woman who works for um, Little Leaves, uh, an ABA company in Maryland. She keeps going to the autism law summit and says, but what do we do about this? Well, what do we do about that? What do we do about something else? And Amy recruited a bunch of us who, you know, providers, parents, advocates, regulators, um, attorneys, and said, who will help me write a playbook where we can really figure out what do we do about this and write a, um, so we wrote a, gosh, it's probably 75 pages. It, it's in a couple of sections. It talks about all the different laws that are there to protect you. Then it talks about how do you get prior authorizations and then how do you appeal when you're denied? And then a whole bunch of tools and tips, sample letters, um, you know, issue by issue for some of the biggest issues. And we will continue to supplement it with other issues, but we really wanted to get it out. Um, we, it is unfortunately not yet accessible. It is almost there, but we're sort of making the tour of all the, um, you know, we went to Calaba, um, we're going to CASP, um, someone's probably presenting it at APBA. I don't know, you know, we, we have to apply, um, you know, to have it as, you know, a paper or, you know, an invited talk or something. So we are sharing it, but um, we met weekly and, um, and just went through the whole thing. And it was great because Amy was like, wow, I didn't, you know, she's one of the most sophisticated providers we have. And she felt like she didn't know any of it. And we would use her cases or, you know, another provider's cases and, and actually sample them and try them and then do the appeals and, you know, write about and add sections when we run into a new hurdle. So CASP, I think, is going to be actually publishing it with uh, CASP is the Council of Autism Service Providers uh, with their CASP conference at the very beginning of May. So that's our goal for when it will actually be accessible. It will be on CASP's website. It'll be on my website. I know other advocates are going to put it on their website. Will you make sure and tell us when it's accessible and then we'll post for people to, to, to where they can find it? Because it's a game changer. Yeah, uh, and I can give you, I can send you the presentation that okay. we're doing because the presentation has a lot of information about the laws and okay, appeals and authorizations. The one thing it doesn't have is all the sample letters and things like that because that's tough okay. for a presentation. 
Because you guys, whether it's it's now or uh, later on down the road, at some point, you're going to be in the position where you're going to have started therapy, you're going to be doing therapy, things are going to be going well, and then somebody's going to try to take it away from you. I, I just have seen this time and time again. And you're going to be faced with this process of, of, do I appeal? What do I do? How do I do that? And you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. Other people have been there and, and know how this works. Because the insurance thing is gobbledygook to a lot of us, Kristen. I, I Again, I applaud you for sharing what you know, because it is gobbledygook for all of us. I want to make sure that we have time to talk about, though, too. You've been very instrumental in the September 26th project. Is that correct? I would not call myself instrumental. I, I'm on the advisory board, um, but there are certainly other people who have done substantially more work than me. I support it. Um, you know, Feta was one of my close friends and she was the inspiration for it. So I can talk a bit about it, but I would definitely not say I'm instrumental in terms of, you know, being able to talk about what they've done recently. I know they put together a curriculum. Um, it was presented at Calaba. Um, they're also presenting around the country, but basically what it is, is a, um, you know, for people who don't know Feta, she had, uh, she was an advocate. She was one of the moms that was instrumental in the autism insurance, the private insurance law that we passed. And she had a very impacted son, Muhammad. We call him Moo. And um, a little over maybe a year and a half ago, um, she, her house caught on fire and she and her sister and niece got out. But Moo didn't come and didn't know what to do. And she went back to try to get him and her sisters could hear, her sister could hear her pleading with Moo to please come out. But he was, you know, he's six, three and, you know, heavy and she couldn't, she couldn't get him out. And so uh, they died tragically in the fire. And um, it's such an important issue for families with autism, right? He didn't know what to do. He didn't know about the, you know, what the large sound was and she could not, he was so panicked. She couldn't get him to come. Um, and so the September 26th project is um, putting together training materials, um, curriculum, you know, raising awareness to help other families who might be in that situation and have the tools to practice ahead of time and, you know, to check your fire, um, you know, your um, what are those things called uh, that go off um, yeah, your fire alarms, alarms. make sure they have bat smoke alarms, make sure they have batteries, but it's much more than that. Right. Um, in terms of having to work with, you got to learn how to work with these children and these adults to help them be enough prepared in a crisis that they will be able to listen to their loved ones and leave instead of stay. Yeah. It's just so unthinkable. Um, to think that two precious lives were lost in that way. Um, just absolutely horrifying. And anybody who's familiar with Feta's work um, knows she was such a tireless advocate and, and she was an on it mom. Um, you know, you could, you, there's no fault to be found in Feta and the fact that she couldn't, wasn't able to overcome what was happening to get him outside. It just, clearly demonstrates how much work we have to do in this arena. If As, she couldn't do it, nobody no could, yeah. right? And and we can't afford to lose anyone else in this way. It's just unthinkable. 
Um, so I, I love that those of you who loved her decided that you, you couldn't just let it sit, that there had to be something in her honor, in her, in her memory to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So where can people go to find out what they should be doing, uh, to prepare for fire safety? So there is a website I'll have to, I Google September 26th project. I'm guessing the website is something like september26.org, but um, I I don't want to, I don't know the okay. exact one. I could try to Google it on my, um, we'll on my find other it. computer, we'll but if you guys, you could find it and then maybe post it. Um, yeah. But you know, it's the September 26th project and there's all kinds of great material there. There's so much material. So we've just got a few minutes left, Kristen, and I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. First one, knowing what you know and knowing what you've been through, what's like the number one piece of advice that you give to families right now when you're talking to them uh, that are going through the early years and going through intervention? And, and thank you, our, our producer, Traven, put up the, the link there. It's september26.org. Um, but so what's, what's like the biggest single piece of advice that you give to families right now, Kristen? I know it's I hard think, to pick one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely fight for everything that you know your kid needs. Absolutely everything, right? People thought I was crazy when I had a verbal relatively high functioning child to still do 40 hours of ABA or behavioral therapy, right? We actually did floor time for him. I did ABA for my other, um, absolutely do the most read, read the literature, get educated. Um, it is medically necessary and you got to fight for it and do all of it and don't stop. Trust your instinct because you know best as a parent and, you may not get the outcomes that Connor got, but you will get the best outcomes that your child can have and they deserve it and you deserve it. And it's, you know, the therapy can be life changing. So absolutely fight for what you know and don't take no for an answer. And, you know, if somebody says, well, you can't get this, right? You're only going to get 10 hours. You're not going to get 40 or you're too old for this, or we don't do it in school, don't take no for an answer. Just don't take no for an answer. And I think Feta would give the same advice, right? She never took no for an answer. And she just kept fighting. Yeah. And, and I also uh, took that advice. You know, one of the first things that I did after my son was diagnosed was, uh, and I started to see that, oh, I'm going to have to fight. And then I was told the 40 hour thing. And I went to uh, someone that's a dear friend of mine that was um, an advocate at the time. And she said, I'm just going to tell you, I know that school district and I, and I, cause it was before insurance. And she said, you're not going to get it. Um, I, I just got to mentally prepare you. You're not going to get it. Although she said to me, you should still fight for it. That is what I got. I did have to fight for it, but it's what I got. And, and that sort of mentality of, you know, you still have to fight for it. I hear, I hear that as the common thread through parents that were successful at getting what their kids needed was that they just said, 
well, I'm just going to keep fighting for it. You can tell me it's irrational. You can tell me there's no way that they'll fund it. You can tell me that there's no way I'm still going to fight for it. And, and they, we all ended up getting what, what it was that we were fighting for. There's a cost though. Um, huge cost. It's yeah. a huge cost. And I'm not just talking about dollars. No, I, you know, it's an emotional cost. It's a mental health cost. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I sued my school district um, I wouldn't have, I never thought of myself as a litigious person, but they offered him nothing, zero, no special ed, no eligibility. And their settlement was for 40 hours a week. So they knew they were in the wrong, um, but they didn't do it. And I had to fight for it. It was the first time I'd ever fought for something like that. Um, but the emotional toll, it's really yeah. high. I got to ask you this because a lot of us who step in and go, okay, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And then we, and it's a couple of years slog, right? For some people, it's a five year slog. For some people, it's a 12 year slog. For some people, it's even a longer slog because you're, you're still fighting for the services, right? Um, but a lot of us say the same thing, which is that at some point we have friends or family who say, all you do is fight. That is all you do is fight. And they start telling us that we need to stop doing that. Have you run into that, Kristen? Have you had loved ones say to you, well, you're just, you just are fighting everything. At some point, you know, you need to let it go. Or did you just surround yourself with people who were your champions? Um, a little of both. Okay. I mean, a little of both. I will tell you, even at one point, because it took six years, I think, before we got our autism insurance law. And every year I would write a new version of the bill. And I will even tell you that even Theta would tell me, you are wasting your time. Why are you writing that version? No one is going to introduce it. And I said, I don't care. I have to be ready when we finally, when we break through and we will at some point break through. I had great support from my family. More of my naysayers were early on. I mean, my mom apologized to me later because she's like, you're pathologizing your kids. There's nothing wrong with your kids. Why are you thinking there's something wrong with your kids? And then the same week, Connor was diagnosed with autism and Finn was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And she was like, I am so, so sorry. You were right. So, I mean, I had both, right? I also, um, the boy's dad, was really supportive. I think at some point he felt like I fought for too long. Uh, I don't agree with him on that um, because I look at the outcomes of my kids and they're nothing short of miraculous, mm -hmm. both of them, right? And even my third, right? They're, they're just nothing short of miraculous, but my older two, they want their stories told. Um, my, my one with CP, you know, when Connor was getting 40 hours of therapy for behavioral therapy, Finn was getting 15 hours of physical therapy, PTOP for his OT, for his CP, regional center, California Children's Services. At five, he was done. He is an athlete, right? He was really severe. Um, again, super lucky. But there's something about going out and getting the absolute most you can do. It gives you the best chance at those outcomes. And even if your outcomes, you know, one of my colleagues who worked with me, her son doesn't have those outcomes, but you know what he has after his ABA? 
he has serious epilepsy. He doesn't have to have general anesthesia 12 times a year because he couldn't tolerate the leads being put on and he couldn't swallow his, his um, you know, epilepsy medicine. Mm -hmm. So she fought for him and he avoided 12 general anesthesias a year. Wow. That's remarkable. It is remarkable. I, I love hearing all this. But Kristen, I got to say, I'm sure everybody else is wondering this too. How did you manage all of that and fight for all of us? How did you have three kids, two that were going to opposite therapies and still find time to fight for us? Well, I'm certainly fortunate, right? I mean, um, my husband was an attorney. I have an MBA from Stanford. I could afford to um, you know, stop working, manage their therapy. I could afford a second, a, a nanny to, you know, take the other one to therapy. And I mean, there were, you know, there was a couple years when we were barely making it, even yeah. with our situation, yeah. we were barely paying the bills. We were changing the times that the bills were due. I paid the PG&E guy the day he came to shut off the electricity. Um, so we barely made it at certain points, um, but I had those resources and, and the privilege from my upbringing that I was able to get that kind of education and that I was an autism insurance, or that I was an insurance expert, I became an autism expert. Um, and, then the drive, right? The passion, me feeling like there are just not a lot of people who can do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not all the people have the passion and the people that have the passion, not all of them have the skill set. Yep. And so, I mean, I killed myself. Um, and I paid some personal prices. I'm sure you did. And I just want to thank you. I know we're both welling up here, but I want to thank you because it matters what you did. It matters to so many families, mine included, but so many families who are watching what you did has made a difference um, that cannot be measured because it is so huge. Uh, so I hope you take that in on a daily basis and that you give yourself some time, yourself and your family some time new, now um, to do the things that you need to do. I guess my parting question is, what's next? What are you taking on next and how can we help support you in whatever you're taking on? Well, you know, my situation personally is changing. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for new work, um, a full-time job with benefits, right? I can no longer, uh, I have got to pay my mortgage um, so I can no longer spend as much time. I'm trying to figure out how to do that in the field. I may have to leave the field, but right now I have some great consulting projects. You know, I still, there's one more thing I still want to do in this field is, you know, Medicaid coverage for adults. It makes me crazy. Um, although I, I feel like there's the, the lawyers can actually work on that now that we're finding the mental health parity law is saying that you have to do this. And they're finding that, you know, self-funded companies that don't cover autism, um, they're violating the federal mental health parity law and they're losing, they're losing lawsuits. They're, lo the they're losing regulatory battles. 
Medicaid is subject to that same law. Um, they're going, they're going to fall and there are, there are enough other people working on it now um, that I, I will get there. And whether I play a big role or a little role, I don't know. But, you know, uh, my next step is actually to take care of my family and me. And I hope I can stay in the field. And, and I'll, I'll, it'll always be something that I'm passionate about and care about. But, you know, I love doing this full time. Um, well, let me ask you this, because I'm a big fan of putting it out into the universe. If we could dream for just a second and say, you know, what is Kristen's dream job that would take chip tick all of the boxes if we opened up our hearts to the possibility that there is a perfect job for you in the field what would it look like what would it be uh that i had a fully funded you know nonprofit where i could pay real salaries that i could make something similar to what i could make on the for-profit side right because i you know now that I have to pay my own mortgage and I, I'm not going to move my kids, I live in the most expensive area, but I don't want it just for me. I need a team. I need to be able to pay for the lobbyists myself. I need to not have to beg, borrow and steal someone else's resources. So it would be fully funding, uh, you know, where I could have a staff and run my organization, but not have to constantly worry about fundraising yeah. and, you know, because I love this. This is my passion. I feel like I'm what I'm really good at is knowing what the next thing is and how to do it. Um, but the freedom to do that without having to worry about my own financial situation and the situation it. of the people who I would employ. I love it. Well, we've spoken it out into the universe. I can't wait to hear how it shows up, Kristen. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. So will you please let me know uh, how, how, and, and for those watching, if you know uh, someone who was looking for that, please connect Kristen post haste. Uh, Kristen, what is your website where people can go to learn more about the work that you're doing? It's autismcoverage.org. Autismcoverage.org, you guys. Yeah, and um, it's not completely up to date, right? Because it's just me. I spend more time doing the work than I do updating my fancy website. And I had a nice one, and uh, you know, the credit card expired, and GoDaddy canceled it and evaporated it. So I'm back to my old one. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's got some decent information on it. And if I stay in the field, then I'd love to have a full updated website. Um, but right now I, I usually spend more time doing the work than making something pretty or, um, amen to that. Kristen, you are amazing. You're a hero to so many of us. We don't believe in the capes, right? Cause as Edna says, and, uh, no, you know, capes get caught in the fan, but you are a superhero. The work that you do every day and, and all the work that you've done over the last 20 years has mattered so much to so many of us. Please, a heartfelt thank you. I hope you, you feel it from all of us. You are uh, remarkable. We all want to be you when we grow up. Yeah. Uh, right? Um, but I, I hope that it all comes to fruition for you now so that you can continue to do all of that and, and do all the things that you want to do. That's what we're going to put energy out into the world. But thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. And you know, when we presented at the Autism Law Summit, when we presented the playbook, Amy and Katie wore capes. <laughs> uh, no, you're right there with them. So that's, that's, uh, 
I think I wore a cape too. I think there, I borrowed one of theirs. There we go. I, I love it. But don't get the cape Scott in the face. No. That's all I'm nope. saying. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being with us and you take care and have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Wonderful. Uh, guys, we were going to do a live, live show tomorrow and we've had to cancel that. So I, I, I'm going to ask Trayvon if he can find an old St. Patty's day, um, perhaps to, uh, episode to air, or we'll just air an old, uh, Let's talk autism with Shannon and Nancy. We're gearing up for a lot of things for the move into the studio. And so I apologize that we're canceling that show last minute, but uh, we're going to be back on Monday. And is it, is it Monday? I don't know if it's this Monday or the Monday after um, that we're having Dr. Jed Baker join us. Oh, you guys, if you don't know Dr. Jed Baker, he is one of those people I, I try to reference all the time. He wrote the book, No More Tantrums. And he also, I, I'm, I always slaughter the title of it, but he, I think, wrote the, the book that I refer most people to when we're talking about anxiety in teenagers. Uh, it's something like how to treat anxiety in teenagers. It's something so simple that I always mess it up. And it's a book for all teenagers, but there is a chapter on uh, neurodiverse teenagers. But I think it's the book. I think it is the book. Um, if you're if you're dealing with anxiety and you have a teenager dealing with anxiety, and here's why: because it doesn't just say here's what everybody else says for treating anxiety. It says the single most important thing is that you have to have buy-in from those teens, and and they don't want to give buy-in because how they feel is what they're feeling and they don't know that they can feel something different. So why would they work to something different? And then he helps you to overcome that, to create a circumstance in which they understand that they could feel better. It's pretty epic. Um, so I'm not sure if that's this Monday or it might be the Monday after I'll check the schedule, but um, you're going to want to tune into our website, uh, autismnetwork.com, because we're starting to tell you dates ahead. Like we know that Temple Grandin is going to be with us on April 18th because um, we want you guys to be able to plan your schedule accordingly, right? Uh, I do see that Traven has just put that website into the chat for you guys, autismcoverage.org. Autismcoverage.org is the site where you can go that Kristen was talking about, where you can learn more about what she's doing. Isn't she a powerhouse? So anyway, I just, as I said at the start of the show, it's always a privilege to be here with you guys. Uh, really grateful to have such an amazing guest. And we're going to be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.